Thank you for listening to this message from Lifehouse Church. Good morning, Lifehouse. Isn't God good? Yeah, he's, he is. All the time, he's good. Amen. I was thinking, um, as uh, I heard of the announcements, they were talking about the envelope uh, fundraiser for the youth. Uh, I, my mind raced back uh, to something that happened years and years ago. A hundred years ago, I was a youth pastor, and <laughs> it was about a hundred years ago. And um, I remember going to Winterfest and God moving at Winterfest, and these kids just getting blessed every time we went down year after year. And I remember um, my daughter Jenna coming up to me one time, and she said, Dad, why do you think that always happens with the young people, and it doesn't happen as much at youth group? And I said, well, here's the difference. I said, they go down with an expectation for God to do something there. You know that? An expectation's faith. And, and they go down with an expectation, so God meets them there. So I hope you came into the building today with some expectation that God's going to meet you right where you're at. And I know that. Um, we have a special treat for you this morning. Bishop Witter, Rick Witter's with us. He is this Pennsylvania State Administrative Bishop. Did I get that title right? Sometimes I miss a, I miss part of that, but it is so good to have him here. And um, he, he'll never tell you this, but he is, uh, I think, overqualified, honestly, to be in this state. He's on the Council of 18, which may not mean a lot to you, but that's the highest um, council, and I know he'd never tell you that, but uh, it's the highest council in our denomination internationally, and he serves there, and um, they truly have servants' hearts. And I've been, um, I've been in this state a long time, and I've seen a lot of uh, administrative bishops come in, and one of the th wonderful things that I love about this couple and his lovely wife, Letha, who's here with them this morning is some people come in sometimes and they, and they talk uh, a lot of things and um, maybe don't deliver as much as they talk, but they don't say a whole lot, but they over-deliver on everything that they do. And um, I've just seen that as they've compassionately cared for pastors and for um, members in this state, and they've about wore out a car, I think, running around already going across the state just to meet with everybody, and I appreciate that so much. I appreciate their humble spirit, um, and I know that he'll, Bishop Witter will bless you. So I want you to do this. I want you just to stand up one more time. We believe in church aerobics here, okay? We want you just to stand up. Would you give him a warm Pennsylvania welcome? Yeah, yeah, as Bishop Witter comes to minister the word to you. Thank you, thank you. You can be seated. That's, that's called a, a forced standing ovation, okay? Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, it's so good to be with you today, and, and uh, for my wife and I, Letha, it's just a privilege to be here. Uh, one of our favorite things is it took us 11 min minutes to get here. We live here in, in Carlisle, and, and generally, uh, we're driving all over the state. You know, we, we cover kind of the four corners, and uh, it's just a thrill to be here. Uh, sincerely, more than just the short drive, because we we love your leaders. We we are so grateful for the, the Penrods. I know you are too, so I won't make you stand up. But will you will you thank them? Okay. Yeah, they've they've been uh, become fast friends to us. Welcomed us here six months ago, and uh, it's it's a joy. And in case you don't know, we we work with Dixie every day. So she already has secrets on us. <laughs> so when this is over, she'll come up and clarify everything. But uh, we do love them and are thankful for them. And, of course, Abby, uh, our administrative assistant, does a tremendous job. We love her. And Eric's okay, too, right? Don't, don't you guys think? So, yeah, so we're, we're just we're glad to be here. Um, so thank you. Thank you very much for the, for the warm invitation. Um, I have a message today I want, I want to bring to you that um, 
it's something real close to my heart and something that I've been praying about a lot that I hope hope is beneficial to you, and I believe it will be. Um, I want to um, I want to address the the topic of a spiritual myopia. Okay, um, so in case you're not a uh, optometrist or whatever, I'll I'll tell you kind of where I'm going. Really, the the subtitle of this this message, the, the title's overcoming spiritual myopia. But the subtitle is getting God's perspective on your problems. Anybody in the room have a problem? Some of you pointed next to you. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. I know you saw that meme of the guys in heaven. Is <laughs> it? The last thing I remember is my wife praying that God would deliver her from her problem, and, and <laughs> here I am. Here, here I am in heaven. But, uh, spiritual myopia, but let's fir first describe and, and define. People who have myopia, it's also no known as short-sightedness, have difficulty seeing distant objects, but up close is okay. Anybody have myopia? Okay. A few, few of you do. Yeah. I do in a little different way. I'll describe it in a second. But for an example, you know, you're driving down the highway, and you know there's a road sign up there because you see something. You see green, but you can't read it until you get right up on it, all right? Now, here's the deal. Uh, you're not supposed to make fun of people with handicaps. I have a handicap, and my handicap is I can't find stuff. I just can't find it, all right? And, and um, you know, I will, I will admit this. I freely admit this. My wife is smarter than I am. I don't know how many of you guys would, would agree with that, but uh, only guys who don't aren't married yet. And when you get married, you'll agree. Yeah. Um, I found out a long time ago that Letha can find stuff when I can't find it. You know, she'll submit it to the fridge. Would you, while you're over there, would, would, you, would you bring the Worcestershire sauce? Sure. Yeah, no problem problem can't find it you know I looked can't find it can't find it she comes over and there it is you know it's just magically appears now what I don't what I didn't know when we got married I know now is it's a setup okay <laughs> she went over there ahead of time to yeah guys are going uh-huh took the Worcestershire sauce or whatever it was she wanted me to bring hit it sent me over there humbled me made me think I'm losing my mind you know and then went and brought it brought it back right so that's my handicap. Can't see stuff. Um, except she also she taught me something. She taught me something not too long ago. She said, "Honey, back up. Back up. You can't see it. Back up, because you know driving down the highway, I'll point out a deer, you know, three hundred yards away. Look at that eight pointer. <laughs> you see that? So she's like, just back up. You get a little better perspective." And, and, and today, I want, to, I want to apply that spiritually um, because some of us, and, and especially the character we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about Jacob, um, could see his reality, his here, his now, his issue, his, his problem, his disaster. He could see it really, really clearly. But he was so close to it that he couldn't see the solution. He couldn't see, like the song we were singing today, how God was working a real bad thing to his good. He, he couldn't do it. I don't know if you struggle with that at times, but, but I have, all right? I have, and I want to talk to us about that today, and at the end, we're going to pray and kind of surrender these things to the Lord. I want to read two passages to open up today, um, the, this message, and the first one just describes the kind of man that Jacob was. It's, it's in Genesis chapter 32, verse 28. All right, Genesis 32 and, and 28, and this comes at a real crucial point in his life. 
um, you'll see that Jacob was a, a struggler, okay? And this is, this is what it says, then the man, the man was actually an angel. The man said to, to Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. God changed his name, okay? Because you have struggled with God and with humans and has overcome, and have overcome. So, so uh, Jacob you're, you're a wrestler, you're a fighter, you're a striver. You work hard in life. Life is not easy for you, okay? And you've wrestled with God and you've wrestled with people and, and you've, you've overcome, you've won. So that, that says a lot about his character because a lot of strugglers lose. You know, they really do. They get beat by life. Well, well Jacob, he's winning. It's, it's going okay for him. Um, but here's, here's the tough part is he... He just consent, continues to struggle, overcome or not. Hear, hear this now, Christian or not, okay? You love Jesus or not, some of us struggle. We struggle. Life's hard. It's a challenge. We're not having a pity party. We're not feeling sorry for ourselves. It's just life isn't, isn't easy sometimes. And, and listen, it's a mistake to look at other people and say, their life is easy, you know, because you're, you're reading Facebook highlights, right? <laughs> yeah. Most people have some kind of issues going on in their life that, that are hurtful, that are painful, that, that create hardship or, or a broken heart, you know, if, if you will. So I want you to, to capture that. Jacob's an overcomer, but he's still a struggler. And the next verse I want to read to you kind of uh, summarizes almost Jacob's life where he, he says, and this is in uh, Genesis 42 at the end of verse 36, everything's going against me, you know. Now, I, I have to tell you, Lathan, I read, read through the Bible every year, and a couple of weeks ago we ran across, across that, and I highlighted that in my Bible, and I kind of chuckled, you know, kind of chuckled, because, man, how many t days have, have we, on Monday morning, we get up out of bed and say, it's the worst day of my life, you know, until next Monday, and that will be even worse, you know. And, and um, I get, you know, I'm not going to name the grandchild, okay. I already gave warning to the, to the parents, I might tell. A, I almost said a, a, a Penrod uh, baby uh, story, but it, it's a grandchild. So one of them got in trouble on his birthday, okay. He misbehaved on his birthday, and thought everything was cool because it was his birthday. <laughs> you can get away with anything. But he, he, got, he got grounded from electronics, which to me is, I'm a grandparent, man. That is over-the-top discipline. I don't think that's <laughs> fair at all. But they didn't ask me. But anyway, I understand that this little guy went over to his birthday cake and wrote on it, worst day ever, and signed his name. You know, I don't care if it's my birthday. I couldn't have my iPad today. I've never had a worse day in all my life. Sometimes we, we just feel that way, you know, and if we're going to be honest, you know, it feels like everything's against me. You know, it's not, things aren't going my way today, and I don't like this, and I, I want something to shift. And I want, I want to tell you something. It's in those moments that I believe God wants to do something, say something, show us something that will help us get this now, not to be myopic. Spiritually, myopic is today, here, now, pain, suffering, struggle, trial, problem, aggravation, discouragement, all the negative stuff, saying, 
it's all against me. Life is bad, you know. I, I don't understand the song when I was a kid. We used to sing, uh, nobody likes me, everybody hates me. I'm going to eat a worm. Yeah, I remember that. That was a pity party. This isn't that. This, this isn't that. He was just a lifelong struggler, okay? He's wrestling. Here's a glimpse into the character of Jacob just for a second. He was a deceiver, okay? Jake, in fact, his name means deceiver. He... he took advantage of people. He was, he was kind of one who didn't mind finding somebody who was down and messed up and, and get the best of them, and he, he was a deceiver. And we find that later in life, his sin came back to haunt him and that the deceiver became deceived. That's what I want to tell you today. Jacob was being deceived by his pain. He was, he was being told things about his sorrow that weren't actually true. But get this, he believed them, and he based his whole life upon those, those presumptions. That's, that's spiritual myopia. Okay, real quickly, Jacob's the, the, the back story, okay. Um, Jacob had a favorite son, Joseph. Uh, jo- Joseph's brothers were jealous. They sold him as a slave, okay, kind of almost like human trafficking. They sold him as a slave, told their dad that he had been killed by, by a wild animal. And so Jacob is believing that his favorite son is dead. And can you imagine the, the pain of that? Without any closure, there was, there was no body, okay. All there was was his garment, you know. And, and so Jacob begins to mourn and, and be sorrowful and full of grief, but get this, the whole time it was a ruse. It was, it was not real. His reality was based on a lie. Isn't that crazy? But you know what? That, that is an indication to me that that could happen to us so easily, guys, that we can, we can believe something long enough that it becomes true to us, whether it be a pain, whether it be an offense, you ever, you ever had that experience where, where you thought somebody was out to get you, man, and you, you developed all this big defense against them and what, only to find out that you were wrong? They weren't, they weren't out to get you at all. You wasted all that energy and all that time and all that emotion, you know, o- over, over nothing. So Jacob, as far as he's concerned, his son is dead. He's gone. But let me let you in on a little secret. Joseph wasn't dead. Joseph was being taken care of by God. Joseph was removed from Jacob for a short season so that Jacob and the entire family could be saved. Boy, you talk about, Zach, everything working out for our good. Okay, when we can't see it, we don't know it, but God's working. Listen, hear this. God is working in the middle of your crisis. Okay, you may not see it. You may feel like everything's against you, but God, if you love God, it's working out. Well, how? I don't know. He's God. Ask him. Don't ask me. But it's working. It's working. Okay? So think about it. Losing a son. Then a little bit later in the story, another son, Benjamin, uh, the youngest, is taken away from him in an effort to, to, to try to get food because there's a famine. <laughs> Talk about a bad day. You know, now there's no food to eat. 
you know, what, what a hor- worst day ever, you know. Lost two sons, now we're going to starve to death. Come on, God, where are you in my crisis? Don't you care about me? Have you abandoned me? What's, what's going on? Except the Bible clearly says that this famine impacted, get this, everybody except Jacob and his family. That's interesting, isn't it? So his reality wasn't really his reality. He took everybody else's pain on as his own and, and began to live life based upon a reality that, that really wasn't genuine. Man, there, there's a lot of psychology going on here today. Okay, there's a, there's a lot of deep inner thoughts of, of um, Holy Spirit reveal to us the pain that we're bearing. Should we be bearing it? You know, the, the frustration or the discouragement that I'm under, the assumptions that I've, been, that I've been living under, the things that people have told me my whole life. Are they real? Or is it just an attempt of the enemy to control and to keep you squashed down and to make you struggle? I want to say this carefully, okay? Sometimes we get too close to our problems. We get too close. We, we learn of them. We experience them. We um, adopt them. We nurture them. <laughs> We rehearse them. Some of us uh, take that on as our identity. You know, in the Bible, there are people who, who are giving monikers or given names. I already mentioned one, Jacob, the deceiver. You know, what was Thomas known for? Doubting. Yeah. Bartimaeus, blind. You see what can begin to happen? You you can be angry Joe, (laughs) lonely Louise. (laughs) You you, you see what I'm talking about? We can begin to take it on as a personality, as a characteristic, as a trait, as a a lifestyle. And and, and here's what I want to tell you. Um, We've got to get, and this is where I'm going to end up today, closer to God than we are our problems. We've got to love God more than we love our problems. We have to identify more with God, with Jesus, than, than we do with whatever has happened to us or wherever we are in our life. And really, Letha's wisdom is, hey, back up a little bit, okay? So if you're struggling today, just, just take a step back, and, and the Lord will help you, okay? I want to show you a few things, uh, indicators about how Jacob's spiritual myopia impacted him and others, okay? Um, like this. Uh, His spiritual myopia caused him to lose the hope of anything good, all right? He he stopped expecting anything good in his life, all right? Uh, His spiritual myopia caused him to refuse healing, and I'm going to give you some scriptures on these in just a little bit, all right? They caused him to, to actually say no to recovery and getting better. Man, his spiritual myopia caused him to live in unhealthy fear, right? Even, even became a little overprotective. You'll see what I mean here. His spiritual myopia kept him from seeing his blessings, all right? And his spiritual myopia caused him to be cynical, sarcastic, okay, and even a little 
a little dramatic, all right? <laughs> Let me talk about this first one here. Um, the, the theologian uh, Chrysostom said this, the hope of good things to come, after all, always mitigates the troubles of this present life. See, there's, there's something that's supposed to be present in the life of a, a Christ follower, a, a believer, is that no matter how bad things get, God has something better in front of us, okay? There, there's always something better. And I've said this through the years, and this is a little drastic, but if the very worst thing that happens to you is that you lose your very life, what are we promised? Eternity with the Lord in heaven, okay? So we really can't lose. We, we really can't. I know that's a little over the top, but we really can't lose. So that, that hope of something better is something we can never let go of. But Jacob let go of it, all right? And this idea of Jacob refusing to be healed, this, this is... This is tough when, when Jacob was really hurt or hurting. When they, when they came to him and said, Joseph's been killed by this animal. Uh, Jacob, Jacob is mourning. He, he, he's grieving. His heart is torn to pieces. And in Genesis 37 and 35, it says, All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. Okay, he refused it. All right, that's, again, that's in verse 35 of Genesis 37, okay? No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. And it says, so his father wept for him. Listen, listen, no matter how bad our hurt, uh, there is healing available. But we have to be open to that healing, all right? Now, I know this is, this is tough for some of you because I don't know what you've been through, okay? But we've been through some stuff, all right? Healing will only come if you open yourself up to the healing. And there are some people that you will talk to, that you will pray to, that you will try to help, and they say, nope, I want to stay in my pain, okay? Let, let me just give you a very real um, example of that. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a pastor who uh, had conflict with another pastor, okay? And I'm their pastor, okay? So I'm, I'm trying to help them. And I said, listen, would you consider the three of us sitting down and working through this? You know, because I believe God has a solution. I think God will help me. You know what he said? No, I can't do that. No, I don't. I'm, I just want to stay where I am. I want to stay. Listen, that's a pastor. Well, what does that tell you? Every one of us can choose to say, nope, I'm going to hang on to this pain. I'm going to hang on to this disappointment. I won't, I won't be open to healing. And can I tell you, as long as we're there, healing won't come. It's spiritual myopia. It's so close. I can't see anything else. Hmm. Listen to his paradoia. Uh, and that, that's a psychological term. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Let me just say overprotectiveness. At one point in the story, I mentioned that they wanted Benjamin to go to secure food. And Genesis 42 and 4 says this. Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. He lost one, was afraid of losing another. That happens, doesn't it? You lose something in life, you get defensive, you get overprotective, you start to cling, you, you start to hover, you start to say, no, I, I can't trust God with this. If I trust him, I might lose this also. I mean, there's, a, there's an important point for some people. I surrender. We sang it today. 
I give you permission, God, to do whatever you want to do in my life. Because, listen, God can take care of your stuff better than you can. All right? All right? Everybody tracking with me? Pastor, I didn't mean to go this deep today, but uh, I feel like it's a Holy Spirit message. All right? (coughs) 42 and 38 says, Jacob said, my son will not go down there with you. His brother is dead. He's the only one left. If harm comes to him on the journey you're taking, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in sorrow. This man was was consumed. He, He was dominated by his pain. It's all he could see. It's all he could talk about, all right? It was all he could focus on. And, and, and please, please uh, take this the right way. Listen, Jacob is one of the, the big three, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're, they're the, the faith fathers in the Old Testament. So I'm not, I'm not in any way disrespecting him. I, I'm, not, I'm not, certainly not making fun of him. But I see a little bit of drama coming out in, in Jacob, just, just, just a little bit, okay? Um, because later on, when he gets, you know, desperate enough, he says in 43 and 14, we're, we're, we're all in Genesis today, okay? This is 43 and 14. If, I'm, if I must lose all my children, so be it. You know, can you see the sarcasm there? Can you see him kind of being over the top of, you know, it's gonna, you're going to take all my kids with me. And he's, he's kind of, kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Fred Sanford, you know. <laughs> Elizabeth. I'm coming home. Oh, I'm sorry, Abby. Fred Sanford was a story. See, in the office, we have to update Abby to references from the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s. And yeah, Sanford and Son. Google it. You'll like it. Okay. Yeah. This is going to be the end of me. Right? Can you almost see Jacob taking on this persona of the rest of the family? The kids going, oh, Come on, Dad, you know, get over it already. No, 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 this is, this is who I am. I'm wearing my, my pain like a badge, you know. My sorrow gives me permission to behave this way. Whew, am I preaching to anybody today, you know? What I've been through is my excuse, all right? I'm not even responsible for the way I respond because of what was done to me. Oh, that's myopia. That's your, your face so close to your pain that you can't experience healing. God has something better for you, okay? He has something better for you. See, what Jacob didn't know was in the middle of all this, God was working. In the middle of his deception, believing lies, um, unnecessary brokenness and pain and sorrow in a life that is dominated by, by bad things, God was working. God was working. You know what this story does for me? It answers the question that so many people ask, where is God when I'm hurting? Where is God when I'm hurting? I've heard that so many times in life. Where, where was God? When I lost my loved one? Where was God when I lost my job? Where was God when everything 
crumbled down around me. And, and can I tell you something? Spiritual myopia will cause you to believe that God is nowhere near you when the whole time he's right there. He's right there. He's right there. Never leaving you and never abandoning you. Then why doesn't he do something? Why doesn't he change the situation? Well, here's the thing. God is doing something. And God is working on changing the situation. It might not be anything that you see or that you can perceive or that you can understand, but I promise you God is working regardless of the situation. He's working. He's out there in front. He's, he's creating a way. He's, he's, he's working out situations. I, I love that song, Waymaker. You know, even when I don't see it, you're working. Sing that song by faith. Okay, next time you, you know, everything is against me. Worst day ever, you know. God, I don't see it, but I know you're working because you said you're working. Because you promised in your word that you're working. And I'm, I'm going to trust that. See, God was working, and before too long, it was many years, but uh, Jacob was reunited with his son. Oh, what a glorious redemption, you know. What a, what a wonderful, kind of a heartwarming um, thing that, that the plan of God was unfolded right in front of him. And so you would think that, that Jacob would find resolve. He would, he would find healing. He would find, you know, restoration. But he had been a struggler for so long. Guess what? Even after he was reunited with Joseph, he was still struggling because that's who he was. He had taken on that identity. God had brought the solution, and he was still so myopic that he couldn't experience the fullness of it. I get that from Genesis chapter 48 and verse 11, where Jacob said to Joseph, I never, I'm sorry, 46 and 30, I'm sorry, Genesis 46 and 30. Jacob said to Joseph, now I'm ready to die since I have seen for myself that you're still alive. Well, what do you mean, Rick, that he's, that he's struggling? Well, this is, this is more drama, okay? Jacob says, hey, I'm ready to die. You can, you can prepare the grave. Listen, he lived another 17 years after that. But he couldn't see it. He couldn't grab a hold of that idea that, man, you know, first of all, all those wasted years, I don't see anything about that. I cannot believe I lived my life with a false assumption. I was so focused on my problem that I couldn't see what God was doing. But now he's saying, okay, it's over. You know, uh, take me home, God. God's like, no, I'm not taking you home. You got work to do still. See, we can experience God in powerful, powerful ways. And God can change our situation. But we also have to let him change us. Okay, you hear that? Our, our perspective, our outlook, maybe even our personality. Because we're, we're creatures of habit. And if we live so long in one vein of mind, circumstances won't change us. We have to let God change us. I'll tell you that uh, he did realize his errors. This is as close as he comes to saying, man, God's done amazing things. Now in, in 48 and 11 of Genesis, Jacob said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again. And now God has allowed me to see your children 
to. Um, God did more than I expected. God did more than I asked for. God, you know, I get the sense that Jacob not one time said, Lord, let me meet Joseph's children. He gave up on that. And that reminds me of the scripture that says God can do so much more than you can ask or imagine or believe for. God has bigger plans. God has bigger redemption. He has bigger solutions than, than any of us could ever come up with. And, and, and Jacob says, now I, now I see that God has, has fulfilled. You know, when is life going to get easier for some of us? When are things going to smooth out? I don't know. It might not be to the very end. But at the very end, can I just tell you, it's going to be well worth it. I believe that when everything is said and done, not one of us are going to look back and say, yeah, but God, everything's wonderful now. But what about that pain? What about that sorrow? What about that issue? As a matter of fact, the scripture says this, when we're in glory with the Lord, these, this life won't even be worthy of mentioning. It won't matter how, however serious the issue was. We're in the glory of God, and it's all okay. It's all okay. Then I saw something the other day, a little statement that just said this. It'll be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Get that? It'll be okay in the end. And if it's not okay right now, don't worry about it. You're not at the end yet. Okay. You'll know you're at the end when everything is okay. Well, before long, Jacob does die. His self-fulfilling prophecy becomes reality. He dies. He's with, with God. But something that um, really stuck out to me as I was studying this passage was that as soon as he died, the other sons, not, not Benjamin, not Joseph, the other sons, the ones who, who sold Joseph as a slave, they, get this, picked up the spiritual myopia of their father. He handed down his dysfunction to his sons. And they, they began to, to mistrust Joseph. They were deceivers also. And so they were, they were afraid that Joseph was going to get them back. And they were paranoid and they were living their lives in fear and they were being dominated by their problem. Listen, I want to tell you something. Dealing with this spiritual myopia stuff is bigger than just us, okay? It's, it's generations down the line. We have a responsibility to find and experience and realize our healing, not just for us, but for other people also who are following behind us. Just a moment, I'll wrap this up. But, oh, man, all those years, Joseph living, or Jacob living in, in the pain of a, of a false reality that became his reality. I am not a fan of that, that statement that says, you know, perception is reality. And I know what that means. It means when you're dealing with someone, you have to be emotionally intelligent enough to understand that what they believe to be true is true for them, Okay. But listen, church, perception is not reality because our perception can be wrong. If your reality is based on a lie, you can believe it's real. You can live like it's real, like Jacob did. Or you can say, wait a minute, God, what is reality? And where is my perception wrong? So let me give you the sage wisdom of Letha Witter, 
okay? When the problem is, is, is right there in front of you, I can't find the whatever my wife sent me to find. Back up and you see it. If life is getting the most of you right now, if the, the problem and the heartache is keeping you awake at night, if, if you're finding yourself anxious, okay? And listen, many, many people struggle with anxiety today. Many Christians today are just battling and struggling through this, and, and some of us are, are, are a little bit of obsessive compulsive, okay? And that, that multiplies this problem many times over, but I want to tell you something. God is working for your good. He is, he is working things out. I can't give the details because I'm not God. I don't know, but he is working in your reality to bring you around to where you can say, I see it. I understand it. Let, let's make a quick application here then. Okay. How, how can some of the things that we're enduring possibly turn out? Is, is it reasonable to think that what I'm going through right now could possibly be anything but hurtful and painful? I want to bring Joseph back in real quickly. At the end of that story, I told you the brothers were kind of paranoid and afraid. You know what Joseph said? No, he said, listen, the thing that was intended to destroy me turned out for good. Okay, I love that. You guys thought you were getting rid of me, but actually God was working. What? God was working through a bad situation like that? Yeah, he was. God didn't create that situation. Those brothers did, but you know what God did? He redeemed the bad situation and saved an entire nation. Wow. That's perspective. That's reality. That I wish Jacob, and I'm sure he sees that in heaven, but could back up and say, I get it now, I get it, I get it. My short-term pain resulted in my whole family being saved. Was it worth it? Are you kidding me? Of course it was worth it. Yeah. See, that's, that's what we need to see, kind of the end of the story. Real quickly. Four things that spiritual myopia will do to you, and then we'll move to a time of prayer. First of all, it'll cause you to miss the big picture. It will, it will cause you to miss the big picture. In other words, what God is doing in conjunction with my problem. Um, I, actually, I actually preached this a while back. You know, let's stop rehearsing our problems. We've got them memorized, okay? We don't have to go over them and over them and over them and over them. You know what? Let, let's, let's start rehearsing the solution. Let's start exploring what God says that will redeem, okay? So spiritual myopia will cause you to miss the big, the big picture, okay? Spiritual myopia will cause you to focus, magnify, and even sometimes obsess over your problem. Once again, it becomes a badge of honor. It becomes who I am. I'm wrapped up. My identity is wrapped up in this problem. Except your identity is in Christ. If you're a child of the king, that's the most important thing. Okay? So don't let your myopia rob you from that. Okay? Speaking of rob, something that spiritual myopia would do, it robs you of your ability to dream. How long has it been since some of us have looked at the future with anything other than fear and anxiety? Dreaming of a better future. Dreaming of, of life, of good things happening. Dreaming of, of God accomplishing something through, through us. Can I tell you that it is the plan of the enemy to rob you of your dreams 
And uh, Joseph was the dreamer and had to be very, very patient until his dream, the dream, became a reality. But God has the same thing for you guys. He has, he has something in your life that's good and meaningful and significant and important. But you have to back up enough to hear the voice of God. And finally, spiritual myopia will cause you to accept finality. Fatalism, okay? Even when God is not finished yet. I thought of this analogy the other day. When a, when a movie is over, they play the credits, right? Here are the actors, you know, here's the music, here's key grip. I don't even know what that is, but, you know. And some of us have started playing, okay, the credits in the movie of our life. But God says the movie's not over yet. We're, we're writing the epitaph. We're saying, well, this is how I lived and died. This is that my life was lifelong struggle, full of trouble, pain and heartache, loneliness, sorrow, despair, depression. And the Lord's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You haven't seen the end yet. Don't, don't run that. Don't rehearse that. Don't confess that. See, see how God redeems. The, see, in God's movies, the good guy always wins. Okay, he does. He always wins. There's always a hero, and, it, and his name is Jesus, obviously. Well, you know, what, what do we do? And I want, I want to move into a time of prayer, and, and I'm going to pray for you. Then Pastor Kip's going to come up and, and lead you through whatever way he, he desires to, to apply this because he's your shepherd, and he knows you guys. But... Um, Several months ago, I preached a message out of Psalms chapter 73, and I called it the, the drone effect or the drone perspective. You know what a drone is? You know, it's one of those really cool things. that We didn't have toys like that when I was a kid, man. We had rocks and sticks, you know, which explains my scars on, on, my, on my head. Um, Psalm 73 is about a struggler. It's about David who's saying, man, life is bad. The bad guys are winning. You know, that's what, he, that's what he said. The evil folks, they come out on top, and the, the good folks are losing. Anybody feel that way sometimes, you know, in life? And he says, that, that tore me up. It almost destroyed me until, you know what he said, until I went into the sanctuary of God. All right. Now, that wasn't a physical going to. A sanctuary is a safe place, right? But sanctuary is a metaphor to the presence of God, or actually being aware of the presence of God, because God's presence is everywhere, all the time, in the middle of your trouble, right? So what David did was, in the middle of my trouble, I went to the place where I realized that God is here, God is with me, and he is bigger than anything that I'm going through, and he says, then it made sense. So I want to tell you folks, that's what we need to do. If we're struggling with spiritual myopia today, Go to the place in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart where you know that God is right there in the middle of that. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to kind of lift you up because the drone effect is you uh, get above it. It's God's eye view. It's a perspective up above, you know. Does that make sense? When I'm down close, tight, it's all I can see. But God, I'm going to lift up my eyes to you because that's where my strength comes from. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift up my chin, okay? Instead of being downcast, 
I'm going to raise up my spirit. Instead of being dominated by the, the hardship and the trouble, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to focus on you. That's why what we're doing today is so important. Because some of you came in today with burdens, struggles that, that caused you to bend over emotionally, mentally, spiritually, sometimes physically. You know what he wants? He wants to just gently do as a father does to a child and gently take you, tip your face up to him. And look at me, child. Look at me. I've got you. I've got this. This pain is temporary. That burden, I can bring healing. So you don't have to strive anymore. You don't have to wrestle anymore. You don't have to work it all out. Just lift your eyes to Jesus. I'm going to pray, and then the pastor will come and do what he feels is best. God, I thank you for such a precious group of people today, Lord. They're here because they love you. They're here, God, because want to be in your presence because we have a need to know that there's a God who loves us. And we feel that today, God. And I don't know where the individuals are, what's happening in their lives, but I know this. There are strugglers here, God, because we, we're all. I mean, this is, this is a season of hardship for so many people, for the world as a whole. But God, I'm asking that you will help us today to lift up our eye off of our, our hard times. Help us to change our gaze, change our focus from bad things to you. Help us to look to you. Help us to, to gain that perspective of being in that safe place with our Father who knows what's best for us. So I pray for my friends here today. There will be an encounter with you. God, you will lead them, bless them, guide them, help them. To where, Lord, the situations that they're enduring will be turned around. And you will show them that you are their God and they are your children. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Thank you for tuning in to this message from Lifehouse Church. We pray that you were impacted powerfully by this message. If you have been personally affected by our ministry and you would like to partner with us as we love God, love people every day, visit our website at www.lifehousecog.com.